The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, there, there's spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where we tell you how much we would pay to watch Street Kings. My name is Kerwin, and joining me today is Jason. What up, Jason? Not much. How about you, Kerwin? I'm good, man. What are you drinking today? Ice cold Coors Light. Also with us is Jordan. What up, Jordan? Hey, Kerwin. Glad to be here. What are you drinking today? Frosty Guinness. Today we're talking about Street Kings, released April 11th, 2008. It stars Keanu Reeves, Forrest Whitaker, Hugh Laurie, Chris Evans, Common, and The Game. It is directed by David Ayer, and it is distributed by Fox Searchlight Pictures. Jordan, tell us your experience with Street Kings. So I've never seen this movie ever in my life. Kerwin, when you first told me that we were going to be reviewing it, I was like, man... All right, so he's done Fast and the Furious, and now he wants to try and do some like spin-off racing movie or something like that. Surprised to find out that it's nowhere close to a racing movie. It's a movie that stars Keanu Reeves that I'd never heard before. So I plugged it in, watched it, questioned why I agreed to be on this particular podcast, and uh, yeah, now I'm here, man. Well, I'm glad you're glad you did. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my experience with this movie, uh, I thought I had never seen this movie before until I pressed play, and then I very quickly realized that I had seen this movie before. So that tells you all you need to know about how I feel about it. <laughs> uh, also, uh, this movie was fucking free on Netflix for like the longest time, and I decided to wake up at uh, six, and, 6 o'clock this morning to watch it before we record, and it's not free anymore. So I had to rent this shit for like three ninety nine on Amazon, and I was kind of pissed because like it's been free for like months and this always happens to me somehow. Like there's a movie that's free and the day I decide to watch it for an episode, I got to pay. I think you got a good rule of thumb though now, uh, Kerwin, just whenever you figure out what day you're going to watch it, just watch it the day before and I think you're going to be set. True. True. Jason, what's your experience? Well, I know <laughs> I've watched this before. Um, I'm not saying I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I remember... I think it wasn't that bad I think coming off of like all the Matrix movies and stuff like I you know was big on like watching something with Keanu like as a cop and all this stuff I thought it was a good idea but I've seen this a couple times I rewatched this recently for this podcast and yes Kerwin I remember seeing this on Netflix and then when I went to watch it again for this it was not there so I had to rent it for uh, $3.99 on Amazon and uh, I watched it by myself because Elizabeth was doing whatever else she could do to avoid this movie. And I did the research and took notes and trash and treasure. And we are here to do the podcast. <laughs> we are. Uh, before we get into behind the scenes, Jordan uh, hit us with the financials. So this movie actually had a $20 million budget, which is not a lot by today's standards. I mean, you're you're seeing movies like Avengers with hundreds of millions of dollars in budget versus this. So $20 million, which is even crazier considering you have a pretty good cast for this movie. Now... Uh, I know Chris Evans was a little bit, you know, new in his career, so he wasn't pulling, you know, the salaries that he is today. But with Keanu and everything like that, I was surprised that, you know, this movie got made for 20 mil. 
Domestically, it pulled in almost $26.5 million. That's around 33704000 adjusted for inflation today. Its opening weekend domestically pulled in almost $12.5 million of that. Internationally, it pulled in about $39 million for a total box office of $65,457,811. When it came to uh, time to release on DVDs, it brought in an extra $14,272,817 through DVD sales alone. This is Keanu's 19th largest grossing film to date out of the 43 that he's been credited as an actor on. Now, does anybody want to take a guess as to what his largest grossing film is? And I'll give you a hint. It's probably not what you think. Is it Toy Story 4? Fuck you, Kerwin. (laughs) (laughs) Is it? It is indeed (laughs) Toy Story 4, Duke Kaboom that brought in over $1 billion. Thank you very much, Disney Overlords, followed by The Matrix Reloaded uh, at $738,576,929. Did you look at my fucking notes? No, because I know he's in Toy Story 4 and that movie made a shitload of money. Good so. fucking pull, bud. Do you have the ma- the first Matrix on there too? Or uh, no, no oh, but okay. I can I can easily add it. No, I was just kind of curious because, I, I mean, I didn't know where to go with that. I mean, you think about some of the iconic movies that Keanu's been in. Like you think of like Point Break, obviously that's not going to be the top earner. It's still early in his career, but I thought maybe, maybe The Matrix or even John Wick movies like Speed. Oh, Speed would have been a good one too. Constantine. I love Constantine, but yeah, I that's one I I, I tried to watch. I have no one to finish. Okay. You like that one though? I like it. Yeah. He's a Marvel character. He's a DC character. DC character. Yeah. Okay. All right, so The Matrix was actually Keanu's third highest grossing film, right under The Matrix Reloaded, and that brought in 465 uh, million. Let's see. Where's Point Break on there? Point Break is 16th of his top grossing. Point Break brought in $83,531,958. Point Break was beaten out by The Lake House, 47 Ronin, Bram Stoker's Dracula. He's in that? Yeah, he plays Jonathan Harker oh, in shit. it. Oddly enough, Street Kings has earned more money than any of the Bill and Ted excellent adventure movies, or uh, adventure movies, so Journey. That was, and, yeah, that was another one I was thinking of too, Bill and Ted. Yep, yep, so Fate, and Face the Music, oh uh, God, Face the Music, oh man, that's terrible. Uh, I know we were in the middle of a pandemic, but Face the Music only brought in six million dollars. Oh Ooh, wow! Worldwide, that hurts. Jesus. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Like right smack dab in the middle. But uh, yeah, good pull on Toy Story Four, Kerwin. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there's, there's no twine around here. Uh, <laughs> Jason, uh, tell us what the people thought of this movie. So according to Rotten Tomatoes, uh, the critics, thirty-six uh, percent of them liked it, with one hundred fifty-two reviews. Gave it an average rating of 5.10 out of 10. There's 55 fresh reviews and 97 rotten. 
Um, with the audience, 58% of them gave it a 3.5 or higher. So with an average rating of 3.4 out of 5 with over 100,000 reviews. IMDb gave it a 6.8 out of 10 um, with over 109,000 reviews. Um, again, I always like to look up some of the, uh, some of the quotes. Um, one gave it a rotten rating. It's from Tom Charity. It says, Keanu Reeves, bad boy cop, Tom Ludlow. May not play by the rules, but the film sure does. I don't know. I, I think it goes outside the rules a little bit. Um, another critic from Time Out says, what could have been endearingly daft remains merely forgettable. And one of the person... Thanks? I mean, what is your response to a comment like that? Yeah. It's, it's like a non-compliment. Yeah. You're, I expected your movie to be shit, but it was less shitty than I expected. <laughs> The last one I want to read, and this one I was like kind of holding on to, uh, Fernando Croach from Cinepassion says, "There's only the spectacle of crooked dunces slamming against each other." I'm, I'm more, I'm more curious about the the place we call Cinepassion. <laughs> Cinepassion. <laughs> uh, yeah, I just read them. I, I mean, I kind of feel like I could get like a cinnamon roll there. <laughs> <laughs> like they, they sell like they sell like. Cinnamon rolls and lingerie. <laughs> <laughs> That's the ratings, though. All right, cool. So, Jason, uh, take us behind the scenes. Okay, I'm going to keep this short and sweet because there's not a lot of research on this. So, the screenplay slash story was written by someone named James Elroy. Do you guys recognize that name? The name sounds familiar. Yeah, okay. agreed. So, Elroy is an established crime fiction novelist. Uh, mm. He's also known as the demon dog of crime fiction. So I'm gonna give you a little bit about him as a person. Um, when James, so this gets kind of dark, I'm sorry. When James was 10 years old, his mother was raped and murdered. Her murder is still unsolved. So this would be an important event in his life and influence a lot of his crime writing. He wasn't able to come to terms with his emotions about his mother dying. Um, he transferred a lot of his focus to the murder of Elizabeth Short, also known as the Black Dahlia. He became clinically depressed. In his late 20s, he briefly joined the army, and then he was a heavy drinker. He also became addicted to something called Benzedrix inhalers. So I don't know if that's like a Vicks inhaler or what that's like, but uh, something called a Benzedrix inhaler. He was involved in also some minor crimes, uh, breaking and entering, burglary. Uh, he was often homeless. Elroy also served some time in jail. And then he, once he got out of jail, he suffered from pneumonia. After going through all of this, he decided to quit drinking. He actually became a golf caddy in order to pursue his writing. He has written many titles uh, in his later life that have been adopted to the screen, such as LA Confidential. Uh, according to Wikipedia, in 1995, Elroy published uh, American Tabloid, the first novel in a series informally dubbed the Underworld USA Trilogy that Elroy described as a secret history of the mid to late 10th, 20th century. Um, his story Tabloid was named Time's Fiction Book of the Year for 1995. In its follow-up, The Cold 6000 became a bestseller. The first novel, Blood's a Rover, was released on September 22nd, 2009. So he has some novels that have gotten some notoriety, according to Wikipedia. Getting on to this story, the story of Street Kings was originally called The Night Watchman. It was published in 1997 by New Regency Productions. Elroy was supposedly inspired by the O.J. Simpson trial, oh, no. according to IMDb. 
It's interesting. Oh, God. All right, here we go. <laughs> um, I try to do some research on the story, book, screenplay, script, whatever you want to call it. Went on to Google, and um, I, I found it. Google Books describes the book as, quote, Tom Ludlow is a veteran Los Angeles cop who finds it hard to cope after the death of his wife. When evidence implicates him in execution of a fellow police officer, he is forced to go up against the cop culture he's been a part of his entire career, ultimately leading him to question the loyalties of everyone around him, end quote. So as we were talking about in pre-production, on Google, you cannot buy the book. There are zero reviews, and there's no other info outside of what I just described to you. Oh, shit. So, like I was saying, there's just a generic graphic of a book on Google Books. Like, it doesn't even show, like, an actual image or graphic or anything. There, there, there's nothing about this. It's like, in case you forgot it, it's like the emoji of a book, in case you forgot that this is a book. This is a book, yeah. It was really weird, and I'm like, okay, maybe I need to transfer from my phone to a laptop, did the same thing, okay. And I was like, okay, let me not stop at Google. I went on to Amazon, Audible, I cannot find it anywhere. Um, the Night Watchman script would be rewritten by uh, John Ridley, the author of Everybody Smokes in Hell. I don't know who that is, but that, that's a very notable book that he does. So this was written back in 97. It would take 10 years from being originally written to going into production. Over this 10 years, the film would go through a ton of directors. So originally, David Fincher, who did Seven in Fight Club, was uh, slated to direct it. Then Spike Lee was attached to the film, but he left to do Inside Man. Then Oliver Stone, who did Platoon, Natural Born Killers, War on the Fourth of July, was supposedly in line to direct. But according to the WaybackMachine.com, Stone uh, denies being attached to it at all. The script would go on to be written by co-writer Jamie Moss and David Ayer, who took over the project and directed the movie. David Ayer, as we've talked about in the past, has done such work as Harsh Times, as we were talking about before, uh, Suicide Squad, Fury, The Tax Collector. Um, so he would go on to direct it. And then, so originally the title was The Watchmen. Fox Searchlight Productions would change this, the title to Street Kings on February 5th of 2008. Some say it's because the title sounded like a horror movie. Later, another movie would come out in 2017 with The Night Watchmen as the title and would actually be a horror movie. In case you were curious, it only has seven reviews on Rotten Tomatoes, but it has an 86% critics review. God. Yeah, like I was saying, I, I was going through a bunch of articles trying to find anything I could about this movie, and the, a short of The Night Watchman popped up, and it was a short of this horror movie. So anyway, The Street Kings was shot in 42 days, and it was shot on 35 millimeter film. That's about a lot of what I got. So I'm gonna get in the cast right now. I'm telling you, there's nothing on this thing. Um, Keanu Reeves as detective second grade Tom, quote unquote, phone book Tom Ludlow. <laughs> if, you're, if you don't know who Keanu Reeves is, you're probably living on a different planet. He's been on Point Break, The Matrix, The Replacements, Bill and Ted. And um, Toy Story 4. And Toy Story 4. God damn it, I'm still mad about that. <laughs> he got it so quick, too. He got it so quick. I told you to shut your laptop, I man. I know, I know. <laughs> um... So cool thing is Keanu did all of his own stunts in this movie. Um, this is really cool that I, I, I found. Um, Ayer said about the shootout in the gang area scene when they're going to find 
Coates and his partner uh, in South Central LA. I don't know if you remember that scene where we find Hector, where he's there. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So when they filmed it, Ayer says this quote, we were really open with the community and we had an open set. So they didn't shut down the set or anything like that. Like it was like in a real community. Um, we didn't have security guards telling people to keep away. We let the kids in the neighborhood sort of walk through the set and look at the equipment and let people talk to us. And Keanu's really open and really gracious and likes to hang out and talk to all the people. He's not one of those guys who hides out in his trailer between takes, end quote. And I found this really cool behind the scenes video. It was only two minutes long, but it shows both Keanu and Chris Evans like, taking pictures with extras and people in the neighborhood and it's like you really do see kids like playing jump rope or riding their bikes it's like it's like a real live scene it, i thought that was really cool i've heard that keanu reeves is like a pretty solid dude in real life i remember a story uh that was told to me one time um this lady had her car broken down on the freeway and all of a sudden like this motorcycle pulls off in front of her and this guy gets off his bike pulls off his helmet and it's keanu reeves and he's like hey do you need help with like a towing or something like that you know is there anything that i could do can i take a look at it or whatnot and then there was another story about how he bought his production crew like motorcycles on on the mate one of the matrix movies or something like that so odd as he can, his characters can be at times, Keanu Reeves himself sounds like a pretty solid guy. Yeah, like his, his interviews are, are really good too. And yeah, like a lot, of, a lot of the stories you read about him, like he's a very, very, very awesome human being when you read stories about him. Yeah, no, I, it was just cool to see it actually on video, like him like just taking pictures and then Chris Evans as well. And it's like, it's weird because you see like production people in the background like, oh, you need a beer. Like putting beers in people's hands for the scene too. And then it's like all of a sudden they cut real quick. Like I said, it's only a two and a half minute video, but they cut real quick. And then it's like you see pictures like, which is some of the other extras with Chris Evans or Keanu Reeves. And I was like, man, that is so cool that like we got, to, I got to see that a little bit. Um, then we have Hugh Laurie as Captain Jimmy Briggs. Hugh Laurie's in House. I think that's probably what he's most known for. And Stuart Little, he's in that as well. God. <laughs> I thought this was an interesting role, though, for Hugh Laurie. I mean, he does house without his accent as well because he's British, but mm. um, he does this one as well. But it's more serious. There's a slight tinge of humor in some of what he says, but I don't know. I thought it was a good role for him. Yeah, especially for me because I only know him as House. Same. Like that's 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 all. And I love House too. And I love like he's an asshole in it and all this stuff. And he's kind of like an asshole. He's kind of dickish in this too. But it was a different take. I liked it. And then Chris Evans, um, he was Detective Paul Disco Diskint, which I think the last name is dumb. Diskint. It's just hard. And I felt like the first time I watched this, I didn't know exactly what they were saying. I, I didn't know. I didn't know what they were saying. But it's Diskint. Um, we know Chris Evans as Captain America, you know, Fantastic Four. One funny scene is when uh, Keanu and Chris Evans go into the bathroom at the police station. And I think Keanu's like in his like police blues or whatever. Uh, David Ayer told Evans to throw an elbow at Reeves without letting Reeves know. So that was kind of funny. And David Ayer said, sometimes you have to do sneaky stuff when you're directing, end quote. So, like, it really surprised him. I have to go back and watch that scene now. Yeah, but, I do too. But I kind of like that when you kind of do stuff to, like, catch people off guard while filming. It makes it more real. I'm not going to touch on every actor, but we have to touch on Forrest Whitaker as Captain Jack Wander. I think he did a great job in this. 
Of course, he's been in Phone Booth, Star Wars Rogue One. I think he did a great job in this. Um, another one I want to touch on is Cedric the Entertainer as Winston Scribble. If you don't know who Cedric the Entertainer is, he's a stand-up comic. Um, he hosts, I didn't know this, he hosted the 12th season of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? What? Huh? According to Wikipedia, that's what he did. Um, the funny part about his character is he's driving that Cadillac, that convertible. I guess it wasn't running right, and the crew had to work on the Cadillac overnight to make sure it was ready for the scene the next day because it was like in just poor mechanical condition. It seems like a lot of work just to get that scene, but is what it is. James Moore as Sergeant Mike Claddy. He's been in Jerry Maguire, Pay It Forward, Suicide Kings. Not Suicide Squad, Suicide Kings. No, I'm just thinking like Kings. Isn't he a stand-up comedian, Jay Moore? Uh, he probably is a stand-up comedian too. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't do a lot of research into him. Um, Terry Crews. I don't know. I love Terry Crews. You don't like Terry Crews? Kerwin's shaking his head. He he says some problematic things. Oh, but okay. but I especially like him on uh, was it Brooklyn Nine Nine? Yeah, oh, it's fucking hilarious. Yeah. White chicks, yeah. Longest Yard, The Expendables. I didn't know this. I'm sure you guys already knew this, but he was a, fo- a pro football player in the yeah. 90s. I didn't know that. Yeah. I was like reading about him a little bit. I was like, do an episode about this guy. Yeah, he uh, he actually used to draw some of his teammates. He's a prolific artist as well. Yeah. And he used to draw a lot of his teammates to like make money or, you know, I think we all kind of can look back in our school days and remember the friend that we had that could draw Princess Leia naked or whatever. And uh, you're, bring, yeah, you're was, bringing up my PTSD. Yeah. <laughs> Kerwin being that guy, <laughs> but uh, yeah, he used to make uh, you know extra money on the sidelines during the NFL, like drawing like headshots and portraits of of his teammates as well. Yeah, I just I didn't know that. I'm, I assumed you guys knew that, but I thought that was kind of cool. I feel like we can do a whole episode about him. Uh, Common. This is how Wikipedia describes him as corrupt, psychotic L.A. Sheriff's Department deputy masquerading as Coates. Um, obviously, he's a rapper. Uh, he acted in Smoke and Aces. He was in Wanted, Terminator Salvation. Yeah, he helped out. Um, Kyle Reese? Kyle Reese. No, no, no. Um, Jai Courtney? No, was it Jai? Christian, Christian Bale's character. What am I thinking? Oh. John, John Connor. John Connor. He helped out John Connor. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I might need help pronouncing this guy's name. Klee Shahid Sloan? Klee Sloan. Klee Sloan? Okay. Um, He's he's the one masquerading as Fremont. He was in Training Day, End of Watch, Tax Collector. He is also a Los Angeles documentary director. Again, you start going down this rabbit hole of him, we can do a whole podcast on him as well, just about stuff he's done for LA, but he was, he's done a lot of things. Um, And then the game as Grill, of course he's a rapper. He voiced... I forget the character's name, but it's in GT uh, Grand Theft Auto San Andreas. So he voiced a voice in that as well. Oh, um, again, another whole podcast about him. I think he had the most stuff that I saw about just his life. Maybe a series of podcasts on his life. Um, one funny thing about the scene with him when he's in his his house, uh, Keanu and Chris Evans, you know, break in as cops and like try to get information out of him. Uh, Keanu originally used a real phone book to hit him. At his request, so the game requested, hey, Keanu, it's not bullshit. Fucking hit me with a real phone book. I guess he hit him once in the face, and he's like, we're done. <laughs> and if you remember, Keanu hits him multiple times. They used yeah. a phone, phone book at okay. the rest of them. But I thought that was kind of badass that he did that. 
And then there's another scene too with the game where he's, I think Keanu or Chris Evans got him pinned up again, or he's like laying up against the couch and like they're telling him like, hey, we want you to go back in the county and get information for us. And like the game just like hits his head against the, the picture mirror. Um, that wasn't scripted, but he really does do that. Oh. And, oh, da- wow. and David Ayer loved it so much they left it in. Hmm. So he really does do that, but it wasn't scripted. And I was like, because I thought it was kind of an intense scene too. Yeah. Phone book's kind of shadowing it. Yeah. It just like it's crazy because I can imagine getting hit with a phone book like four inches thick in Black the face multiple pages. times. <laughs> and white pages. And white pages. Damn. <laughs> There's a lot of blubber there, as Dwight and Trout would say. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he hit his his head against that picture frame, and that that was real. A couple other people I have to point out just selfishly is Kenneth Choi as Boss Kim. He was the one that, Kurt, when you were talking about in the beginning of the movie, the head of the Korean Mafia in L.A., he was in Sons of Anarchy as Lin. I don't know if you guys watched that. I don't think I don't think you have Kerwin, but uh, he was in he was multiple episodes, multiple seasons as uh, head of that family. Keanu Reeves' girlfriend, I'm gonna butcher her name, Martha Higarida as Grace Garcia. Um, she was originally a reporter in James Elroy's story, but they used her as a, a nurse in this. Again, I'm reaching here, guys. Uh, and then the other one was Noel G. So Hector has quicks uh, Hector. in this movie. Uh, so again, we've seen Fast and Furious, Training Day, ton of other movies. And then one I wanna point out too is uh, Clifton Powell as Sergeant Green. Sergeant Green is Hugh Laurie's partner. He's the black guy, he has a mustache. I think he's bald. Oh, he's the one that comes out at the end after he kills Forrest Whitaker at yeah. the house? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so just keep him in mind. I'll, I'll touch on him in a second. Um, but that's all I have for the cast. This, there's a sequel to this, which I'm frightened to even say because as Kerwin puts on our list of movies, if we do one, we got to do the rest. And so, I'm sorry, guys. It's going to be a trio for the, the sequel to this, too. Um, there's a sequel made in 2011 called Street Kings Motor City. It stars Ray Liotta, believe no. it or not. Yeah. So Clifton oh. Powell, as I was just saying, that was Sergeant Green. He's the only returning character in the sequel and again sergeant green so uh clifton powell he was also in menace to society uh he was in next friday he was in rush hour as well so i always remember him in menace to society all the time uh i think that one white dude comes up and asks him about the lexus and he comes out and like i think it's like noon and he's like still eating breakfast or he gives the white guy a lot of shit anyway that's how I always remember him. But he's, I think he has a small part in this, but that's what I remember him as. And then, just so you know, this sequel went straight to DVD, so no, it was not in theaters. I looked at the Rotten Tomatoes score. Rotten Tomatoes has no critic reviews <laughs> <laughs> and it has an 18% audience score. In case you're curious. Um, a little about the score, because I think this is um, worth mentioning. The score was done by Graham Revel, who's done such movie as the original Power Rangers movie. Did The Crow, Street Fighter, The Craft, Freddy vs. Jason, and Sin City, just to name a few. Oh, nice. Fuck, that's a good resume. Yeah, yeah, he did a lot. And yeah, there wasn't a lot to write home about the score, but I think it fit the movie well as you were watching it. I don't think there was anything out of place. I think it fit the movie, but um, yeah, this guy has a pretty good resume. And now it's going to get into some fun facts, and if you guys have anything to add, just let me know. So according to filmrejects.com, again, I'm reaching for a lot of this stuff. Terry Crews, Washington's Murder is a short sequence in the film, but it took, I I read on different uh, articles, between four and five days uh, to set up the shoot. 
Uh, it also necessitated extra safety precautions thanks to numerous squibs and small explosions in a tight area. Um, so all the cameramen, all the production people had to wear like quilts and face masks because there was so much going on. There were three Dodge chargers used for the movie to get all the sound for the charger because there's a lot from inside the cabin of the charger. Um, they took it to a racetrack to get all the sounds. And then lastly, I thought this was cool. This was one of the few behind the scenes videos I found on YouTube, but in the scene where they're on that Crown Vic, it's like the maroon colored one, it's towards the end where they're taken out to where Fremont's and Coates supposedly were buried. Uh, it's the two cops in the front seat, Keanu's yeah. in, the, in the back seat. They show a cool video of how they rigged this roll cage to the exterior of the passenger side of the vehicle. And that stuntman was actually driving the car. So when they show the two other corrupt police agents in the front, although it looks like he's driving, he's really not for some of the scenes. When they show the interior of the cabin, it's the guy on the exterior driving the car. Mm -hmm. So they go through traffic and all kinds of stuff, but he's the one on the side driving. Um, there's four cameras used and they get like a 310 degree view of inside the car. So I don't know if you remember, like he takes like the handcuffs off where Keanu pulls that like key out of his back pocket, yeah. unlocks his cuffs and like shoves part of it in that guy's mouth or in his yeah. cheek to like pull him back. Mm. Yeah, it's weird, because I was like, how are they doing this with the car? But I mean, obviously it's movie magic, but like, I just thought it was really cool. Like they adhered this whole cage. Like we're almost like a sidecar on a motorcycle. Yeah, That's what it kind of looked like, where he's like driving the car through the traffic, and that's how they're able to get all those shots. But it's weird because they have to dodge like, you know, I guess fake traffic, but it's like this guy's literally like driving the car. But right. that's all I got for, for Street Kings. What? I tried, man. <laughs> I tried, man. Hey, sometimes, sometimes it be like that, dude. Sometimes, sometimes, like you try your hardest, and there's the well is like so dry, it's it's ridiculous. Sometimes. So, so like on IMDb, there was like I don't know if this is on or off mic, but it was like less than twenty different things about the trivia and wow. all the spoilers. Wikipedia was bare bones. Like I said, a lot of times that's a great place to start. And I think you pointed out like all the articles at the bottom just kind of like point you down this rabbit hole. Sometimes, yeah. well. There's one col one half a column of like seven or eight articles, Jeez. and it's like there's nothing. And it's it, I think the biggest reason why is because James Elroy did not want to contribute to any of the publicity of this movie. I think if he wanted to publicize it and talk about the story and his inspiration and why he wrote this outside of it being inspired by the O.J. Simpson trial, like outside of that comment, like that that's what we're left with now. He knew we were gonna record this. He yeah, sabotaged yeah. us. I don't know. Yeah. It's like those fucking $20 ticket guys that are going to tear my movie apart. I'm not going to give them shit. So angry now. Yeah. Damn. Anyway. Yeah, that's it. Uh, <laughs> let's move on to uh, Trash and Treasure. Uh, Jordan, what is your Trash and Treasure? All right. Well, let's start off with some trash. This movie is clearly created to identify and showcase police corruption, but... I think they were just so blatant with it. It's like this poorly kept secret that everybody knows about. And not even internal affairs is exempt from this corruption as at the end of the movie, Hugh Laurie's character essentially gives Keanu a pass. And the reason is because the chief of police didn't like the amount of dirt 
that Forrest Whitaker's character had on him, which to me shows that even the police chief is a piece of shit. So that was a little too on the nose for me. I mean, come on. Who didn't see this ending coming like 10 minutes into the movie? I personally felt that this was an extremely predictable ending. Uh, Never even seeing the movie before, but there is no subtlety into the corruption when we are introduced to Tom's squad. No, could they be dirty or just ignorant to what Tom's doing? No, these guys like walked in practically covered in metaphorical mud. I mean, they were dirty. Another trash is the wife. You know, Keanu Reeves' wife, apparently, according to a lot of these descriptions, you know, Keanu Reeves' character is haunted by the death of his wife. But to me, it just seemed like some sort of flimsy pretext to justify why Ludlow is corrupt and has this alcohol problem. I mean, you could have gotten rid of the wife altogether, and I don't think it would have changed the movie at all. Do you guys agree? I think they're they're trying to make him somewhat sympathetic because he had said that uh, the coroner, whoever the examiner, uh, didn't do like a vaginal swab or do anything else to see if she was like possibly raped before being like murdered or whatever. And uh, they they were kind of using using that to give our uh, POV character or protagonist like a like a something of a maybe not necessarily a redeeming quality, but a, a redeeming motivation for why he does the things he does. But but you're right. Like this literally could have just been about Johnny Utah fucking shit up I, I gotta say one thing too maybe I left it out I, I can't find it in my notes so I apologize but I guess in the original storyline Forrest Whitaker's character was ultimately supposed to be the one that was the adulteress of Kennery's wife that would have made this oh, movie so much yes. better oh my that God. was in the original I, I, I'm so sorry I lost that in here but that's what it said and I'm like exactly the same thinking like that would have been so good to show that because then it's like then we come really full circle yes oh my god why did they leave that on the cutting room floor that's ridiculous I don't know. I mean, there's so many rewrites to this thing it's uh, insane so that maybe that's why yeah, yeah that that totally would have made a lot more yeah, sense. yeah that should have stayed in for sure absolutely um, this is a bit nitpicky, but when Keanu Reeves is crawling away from his former unit while he's all tied up and bound after they've taken him up to the hills to kill him, he's crawling away and they're like fucking with him by like shooting the ground next to him. You can clearly see the squib caps like popping out of the ground. And uh, I thought that was a little campy. But um, the last thing I have... Let's face it, there's no fucking way Hector can outrun Captain America for as long as he did. I mean, even if he has lay of the land or whatnot, I mean, and just because you call a character quicks doesn't make him fast. Uh, I thought that was a little uh, outlandish. Especially with the the pants too, like the the sagging denim jeans and shit. That, yeah. Oh, because I used to I used to dress like that in high school. Oh my god. Oh jeez. And I I know for a fucking fact you can't run with that shit. Nah, you're not gonna be free running with that. <laughs> your name wasn't Quicks, so yeah. nah. Yeah. I think if your name is Quicks, there's like an expectation that yeah. you're able to get away. Exactly. Like like they they raised the anticipation so high that we're gonna get this like crazy casino royale parkour in uh in uh a foreign country sequence yeah and uh we didn't get that at all we didn't even get sonic the badgehog in this yeah no no (laughs) it ended quick though 
<laughs> All right, uh, let's move on to my treasures. My first treasure actually also happens to be a trash at the same time. This is weird. Keanu Reeves acting. I don't think that Keanu Reeves is a particularly great actor. I don't. That's a common thought, yeah. but I disagree. Okay. All right. Well, let me let me tell you uh, why I, I think that way, and then I would love to hear uh, your rebuttal. You can't start this out as treasure and say that. I'm just saying that right now. What? Uh, well, hold on. Let me let me explain. <laughs> let me explain, and 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 then feel free to to take me to school. Um, when watching Keanu Reeves, it looks like every emotion that he displays is passed through like a mood equalizer. His highs and his lows are still just right in the middle somewhere, and it just. To me, sometimes it feels like he's just like one step away from like reading his lines off of cue cards at times. However, I feel that his acting style kind of transcends current norms and has evolved into its own thing. And any other actor that tries anything remotely close to uh, what I consider to be a Keanu Reeves style acting comes off as like really given like a half-assed performance but when Keanu does it it's kind of like endearing you know and it's like oh you know look at you all mad and stuff you know we're 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 kind of quick to to forgive so let me have it let me have it what you got I don't know it's tough to say I I feel like yeah he's probably pretty pretty calm serious faced a lot of the movie but I think that especially in this movie it's fitting you're gonna take away from some of my trash and treasure, but I think some of it is like even the booze too. It like keeps him I kind see. of even keeled. I see. To okay. the point where it's like, hey, he's he's slamming it before he meets up with the Koreans in the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's like to take the edge off where it's like, hey, I don't have this enormous crazy reaction to people. Like, hey, I'm here, I'm in it, whatever it takes. You want to beat me up? Well, it's not gonna phase me as much because I got a little little buzz going on. Okay. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, talking about this movie in particular, I don't know. I think about the Matrix. Like he's he emotes emotion. Um, and then you talk about like Johnny Utah and Point Break. Maybe you got me there a little bit. But even then, I think I don't know. I, I've heard that a lot. I've read that a lot too. That like people don't think he's the best actor, or he gets these films for such and such a reason. But I don't know. In this movie in particular, I think the booze. I think they throw that in there and I think that is like a duller. It like kind of takes off the edge where maybe he's able to react in a way where he's not freaking out or he's not way down. Like I think that that's what helps. I don't know. What do you think, Kerwin? I think that uh, a lot of the roles he plays kind of finds him uh, as a character that is like hovering within that, that middle ground. Like a lot of the characters that he plays usually often experience or showcase some disconnect through some like past trauma or the circumstances of the plot. Like we have uh, like Neo, you know, he's kind of like this like loner hacker guy who's like disconnected from society, who's kind of thrust into this world, which even furthers his disconnect from the world that he thought previously existed. And, you know, that that kind of carries on with his character. You know, in uh, Constantine, he's this man trapped between, you know, the, the living realm and hell. You know, he tried to kill himself and, and now he's back on earth. And so there's another disconnect here in this movie he's he's kind of disconnected because you know whatever his emotional anchor might have been his wife not only did she cheat on him but she 
was murdered you know what i'm saying so like i feel like he plays a lot of roles where there's some sort of emotional disconnect that allows the character to kind of exist on this very very uh shallow spectrum or this one very specific area in the middle of the spectrum where the anger and the sadness and the negative emotions are never uh too far off and like the happy comedic uh stuff is never also too far off from center as well so i feel like maybe he's being typecast or maybe that's the performance that they want for a particular character out of him but like i feel like a lot of the characters he plays there is some sort of uh psychological or emotional disconnect that allows his performance to work if that makes any sense yeah boom yeah Yeah, uh and i actually agree and i didn't consider the fact that the alcohol itself is the vessel to kind of have him maintain that just sort of like mood neutrality you know throughout the movie um i personally think that i saw more you know emoting out of him in point break you know than i did here in this particular movie i saw him Mm. at highs and lows when he's jumping out of the plane and he's like fuck it you know and you don't really see that here in this particular movie and or a lot of movies in the matrix i don't really see him kind of like losing his shit and maybe i'm just forgetting a scene which is very very possible but even in the matrix you know his his mood was more even keel than you know flying off the handle especially and and i'll reference like the trinity scene you know when the trinity scene obviously she's dying and he's just like i love you let me dip my hand into you you know oh and uh reloaded yes well they plug him in i mean he screams his balls off and yeah okay okay yeah he wakes up outside like outside the matrix and he's like pulling shit out and he's I, I think he's I think that out. was really good yeah, yeah. Uh, also like uh, when he goes to see the architect and the architect showcases on the screens all the infinite reactions yes. he could have okay alright yeah. yes I, I agree you got me there for sure don't yeah. disrespect Keanu Reeves man I have nothing but respect for Keanu Reeves you I better. just I just <laughs> don't think he is a particularly talented actor that's not to say that I don't enjoy his movies but it just yeah. we can't have it both ways yeah. you gotta pick yes, a side yes I can no you can't the yeah. world is fucking Burger King baby I can have it any way I want it didn't no, you okay. see the sign on the door it said check your attitude at the door yeah. and I feel like you got a lot of toot in here right now <laughs> yeah I'm man s- sorry calm the toot dude it's calm the toot I'm sorry for flying <laughs> off the handle like that Keanu <laughs> Reeves is a saint yeah, yeah. you got any mood uh, equalizers i.e. airline vodka I'll have one of those right now please <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Can you please speak in like monotone, like for the rest of the podcast? Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a problem, Kerwin. Anyway, I think we can continue on with our next treasure I have. I'd like to take a moment to speak to you about Common. Common has got some very good acting chops. In the small amount of the movie that he was in, I really do feel that he stole the scene. Would anybody care to fight me on that? No. Nah. You're good. Next order of business. <laughs> couldn't, couldn't, couldn't even, even do it. Going. Couldn't even do that it. That was pretty good. Uh, that was, yeah, that was at good. least one treasure. Round of yeah. applause. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, the last treasure that I have is, again, we kind of talked about this at the beginning of the movie, is that for a $20 million budget, this wasn't a bad movie. I mean, they pulled a lot of good actors 
uh, for that. Um, Keanu, Forrest, uh, Jay Moore, which he's not doing much these days. Common, um, I'm drawing a blank on the name of it, but Common was kind of like in this Wild West TV show about uh, um, the the train, um, the railroad expansion. I forgot what it was, but he was a big part of it. He played kind of like a an officer in um, not not like a, a military officer, but kind of like one of those uh, road road agent slash officer. You said it's a TV show. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I forget what it was. Hold Maybe on. it was AMC. Hold I think on. it was Hell on Wheels. Hell on Wheels. Okay. Right out the gate, nice. Hell on Wheels. Common was in Hell on Wheels, and he did a fantastic job at that. Uh, but I truly do feel that Common stole the scene that he was in. Yeah, he's seen. Yeah, he's seen like real intimidating, real calm, cool, collected, and frightening in a sense. And then it's even more frightening when you find out that he was an undercover local sheriff at the time or, or PD officer at the time. Yeah. 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 So uh, in conjunction, like I said, with Keanu Forrest, Jay Common, uh, Chris Evans, Terry Crews, you know, Cedric the Entertainer. Like that was one of those those actors that I didn't really expect to see. Yeah. But I mean, I think he did a pretty solid job. Uh, what was he? Was he like was he a drug boss? Like was he just kind of like a middleman or like what? what I think did... I think he was a middleman. But okay. I, I think he connected people to like, hey, like. Like he knew enough people where if he needed something done, people would go to Scribbles or Cedric, and gotcha. and it's like, hey, like I need this done. It's like, well, I got this guy, and he would like connect people, like with okay. what they're doing. I okay. think he was like high up enough where that's what he was, but they didn't expand on it a sure. lot. Yeah, sure. So uh, to pull all this talent for twenty million dollar budget, you know, that's pretty impressive. So I I was I was. Uh, very pleased to see this um, ensemble cast all come together. So that is a treasure of mine. And uh, I think that's it. Those are my trash and treasures. All right, Jason, what is your trash and treasure? Okie doke. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, trash. Um, Keanu's shirt in the beginning when he walks out uh, with the tiger on it, with the button up. I don't know. Trash. Um, so the first shootout at... Um, I'll call it Lynn's house, the Korean's house. Um, there's a lot going on in this house. If you guys take a look around, um, there's drugs, there's guns, there's a random 50 gallon drums, there's a porn studio, there's kidnapped children, and then we got an old dude jumping out in a mask. Like, inside of one house, like, we get it. There's stuff going on. We don't need to see everything, but they do show us everything. After that, Keanu meets um, Forrest Whitaker outside. And it's weird how, like, Forrest Whitaker is getting off on how much Keanu did, even though it's against every protocol, every procedure. He seems so happy, elated. Like, it's weird, and it's... I, I don't I don't like that. I don't like how Hugh Laurie lies to Keanu in the hospital. I don't like that at all. Like where it's like, oh, I'm an insurance salesman, and it's like, no, you're, no, you're not. Like, you, <laughs> internal affairs is what you are. Like, don't fucking lie. Um, he went to go reach for his card, I think, at one point too, and couldn't find it. And then this is when we saw Clifton walk up, and then like he rec he told uh, Hugh Laurie, he's like, oh, so I partner right there. Um, uh, Keanu Reeves drinking straight vodka all the time. That has got 
to be rough. Dude, I remember back in college before we used to go to parties, uh, we used to buy like a bottle of Sky Vodka. We used to buy like a fifth, stand in a circle to pregame, and we would just pass it around until it was empty. And that was our pregame. And uh, vodka is disgusting. Yeah. It is disgusting. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just, I was like, oh, just, uh, I, can't, I can't do that. Vodka is one where I just can't shoot like that. Um, how do all these police officers drive such nice cars? Like we see Washington in an Escalade. It's got to be what seventy, eighty thousand, ninety thousand dollar car back in twenty two thousand six. Oh, I mean, okay, so sixty thousand. Yeah, I say like sixty. Yeah, your payments around eight hundred dollars plus a month plus insurance. I mean, what they put down though. Anyway, SRT, <laughs> and then the SRT8, the charger we're looking at, it's yeah. just like, okay, same kind of scale. It's just like, how are you guys affording this shit? Anyway, uh, I think Keanu is kind of careless with his shooting sometimes. We kind of see that when he shoots Washington in the back oh, or in the yeah. shoulder. It's like, come on, man. You're Neo, dude. And he had they had training. Him and Chris Evans had training before this movie, like shooting training. I've watched it. They're both really good. And it's like... I don't know. I guess it's for the movie. I've seen uh, Keanu uh, do shooting training for John Wick, and he fucking looked professional. I heard that's really good, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I've seen uh, Chris Evans do, like, shield training. Like, he'll throw a shield. Oh, okay. Like, let that uh, go. Yeah. It was pretty good. He, that's how he got the role of Captain America. Oh, really? Yeah, okay. What's crazy. his personal bounce back record? Uh, I think it's. I think he catches it 96% of the time. Well, if there's anything we know about Chris Evans, it's a, he's a catcher. Eight. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. So, so after the shooting with Washington, you know, in the convenience store, Whitaker's there, Reeves is there. They're 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 talking, and then Forrest Whitaker walks out of the room. He's like, "I don't want to see that disc there when I come back." I'm asking you guys: Do you take the disc if you're Keanu Reeves? Well, was that a direct order? I mean, you're right. I guess it kind of felt like a direct order. Yeah. Because I, I think you got to look at it this way. It's just like, hey, I'm going to protect you. But if this disc is still here and you're kind of fucked, that, that's going to make Forrest Whitaker's unit look bad, too, because he's like his uh, commanding officer, I guess. So I look at it this way. It's just like I think he's more or less telling him that disc needs to be gone. Like, I, th- I think it's I think it's less of an ask and less of a favor, but more of like it needs to be gone when I come back, because okay. like whatever Keanu does is uh, is a reflection of his uh, abilities as a leader. OK, so frankly, I'm surprised that he didn't give the order for it to just be flat out destroyed. I mean, yeah, just like, take it out yourself. Crack it in half. Yeah. Throw it away. Done. That's what I was thinking. Like, why don't he just take it out himself? Yeah. But you know what, though? You know how we talk about the end of the movie where he has, like, a wall full of shit in there? Like, what if this is another way for him to have leverage over somebody in the future? So it's just like, hey, Keanu, remember that time you destroyed or got rid of that disc that I may or may not have asked you to get rid of? I got dirt on you now. So now you're a part of my my secret stash behind my wall. That could be another tactic as well. How many times do you think he's had to tear down that fucking wall and put it back up to add shit to it? There's no like back way around the house. There's no maybe there's like a couple shingles on the roof for you to maybe just, just like it drop down. it down. But <laughs> holy can't. crap, it's like it. I mean, knocking down and putting up a wall, especially when it has like money and a bunch of incriminating evidence, 
chances are you're not hiring like some sort of general contractor or subcontractors to do that. You're probably doing that yourself. Also, uh, California wildfires, uh, and also like anybody who's smart enough to ha- like have that amount of money, like that money is getting deposited into some sort of account or some sort of offshore account. Yeah, exactly. Like, why would you have just just millions, what looks to be millions of dollars in like solid hard currency in your wall? It feels like a mafia thing where it's like, yeah. oh, I put the cash in my mattress or something like that. Like it's it, you're right. It's dumb. It's like unless you go on top of the roof and like drop it in so neatly, so tightly, and it's like you ain't doing that. But I don't know. I thought that was weird. So there's a there's a dead shark. Yes. In the fish tank of Common's apartment. What? What was it there for? I didn't know that. So, according to David Ayer and FilmRejects.com, it says, why is the shark dead? Quote, the shark tank. What's the shark tank about? I figured Fremont and Coates are impulsive buyers, and they got a lot of money, and they're sort of high. And I figured they should have a shark, but uh, I guess they didn't feed it, end quote. That's what David Ayer had to say about it. But I just saw that, and I was like, okay, the shark is upside down. And it looked fake as fuck. And I'm just like, is that real? Is that fake? Yeah. But I'm glad I'm glad David Ayer addressed, addressed it. Sorry. Nice thought process. Yeah. I will say that. Yeah. yeah. I think the key in the pocket of Keanu Reeves is too convenient. I also think in that same scene, like, why didn't the guy just push the brakes? Just push the brakes and stop the fucking car. He just kept pushing on the gas and he runs into somebody. Like, just push on the fucking brakes. Yeah. I don't like this. And we kind of touched on it earlier. Like, I don't like how Hugh Laurie was corrupt, too. Do you guys agree or do you guys disagree? I think that in the overall scheme of the movie, uh, it just shows that uh, Keanu, despite any sort of attempts to do good, you know, quote unquote good, um, he will never escape this cycle of corruption or quid pro quo or whatever. Like he'll he'll never escape that. Uh, and even uh, even people at IA are fucked up. Yeah. And, and then that's just it. It's just like he he went out guns blazing, expecting to be you know put away or disowned by uh, his department or the police community, whatever law enforcement community. And uh, it turns out that uh, he was the hero they all needed all along. He was a hero for this corrupt cop, Forrest Whitaker, this uh, corrupt captain, and uh, he's somehow become a vigilante on the other side's behalf. And now he's a hero for another group of police that are also just as corrupt, if not more. So. Yeah, so I, I didn't mind it. Yeah, I, I did not like it. It was a weird twist at the end, I'll give you that, like Hollywood-wise. Like, it's a good twist. I wasn't expecting it. Like, I thought Keanu was going to be taken away in handcuffs and like, hey, like, you took down the boss, so we're not going to lessen your sentence, but we still got to take you in, and it wasn't that, which is fine. Like, they, they went a different route, but I didn't I, I didn't care much for it. And it, just because it ties into my last trash, which is just, and it's just something I kept reading, too a big negative about the movie it just shows a lot of cops being corrupt and I don't I have friends that are cops and police officers I'm sorry I'm using the word cops but police officers and I feel like not everyone's corrupt but it feels like in this movie damn near every officer at every level is corrupt and I I, I that was just one thing I didn't I didn't like um, my treasure the charger I loved it one thing I didn't like about it is that sometimes some of the some of the scenes from the front end look like the headlights were tinted, some were, some weren't. 
I didn't like that part unless they have like removable shields, which I don't see Keanu doing. Um, Cause he's bulletproof. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I see a lot of, <laughs> I see a lot of like shot, like vodka shot buying at my job personally. Um, <laughs> and like I was saying before, I, I, after the first fight, I see why he was buying a lot of shots, uh, kind of numb the pain. Shout out to both Lynn and Marcus Alvarez from Sons of Anarchy being in the beginning. So Marcus Alvarez, he was one of the people when Keanu Reeves was in blues, seating behind uh, the desk, like asking about this stuff, like the character Marcus Alvarez from Sons of Anarchy was in it. So I mm-hmm. thought that was cool. When Keanu goes toe to toe with Terry Crews, like at the very beginning after the shootout at the, at the Korean house, I don't know. I thought that took a lot of balls. I was like, if I'm Keanu and look at Terry Crews, he's built as fuck. Like, Keanu just didn't give a fuck. Again, could have been the vodka, but he was just like, I don't know. I'd be intimidated as fuck. Yeah, he's wearing that Old Spice too. Yeah. (laughs) And he's got those like, those little pads on his arms. So like, where it just like starts popping out his muscles and shit. I'm just like, oh, you better watch out for it. and pop you right now. Leave a... Probably right in the mouth. He'll end up in a wheelchair. Like at White Chicks. <laughs> hey, Terrell. <laughs> uh, Hugh Laurie, I think, was good. I, again, I like seeing something about house. I thought that was good. The exigent circumstances, I thought that was like a cool line to kind of connect things. It was weird. I think it reminded me of Training Day. There was a scene where the five cops, um, it was before Washington died, but it was after that. Uh, the Korean house takedown went, happened and the kidnapped girls got let free. The cops are kind of sitting around where it's like Jay Moore and a couple of the guys are sitting around. Remind me of training day. Remember when like Denzel walks in and it's like all the higher ups from like the city council, people under the mayor, and they're all sitting around and like Denzel pulls up a seat. Well, it felt just like that because there's like a whole thing going on in the background. And then Keanu pulls up that seat and you got these five, not necessarily bigger guys, uh, above him, but it's like it felt just like training day. I kind of like that. Uh, I liked how it was really gory. It was really surprising to me how gory it was. I was surprised by Chris Evans initially wanting to bury the evidence. I think that was a cool character turn, like where you kind of see Disco or Diskin like like as this good good old boy, like really part of the department, and then all of a sudden like he approaches Keanu and he's like, you know what? This will all go away. You just gotta let it go away. He's like, I'm here for you. And it's like, oh shit, so he's on the take too. Again, proving my point that this movie shows just like every cop is corrupt. It was a good twist though, in my eyes. Um, There's a lot of Anheuser-Busch product placement. So you got Bud Light. I saw Budweiser. I definitely saw Budweiser Select, which is a callback. I don't know if that still exists anymore. but. A lot of Anheuser-Busch. I like that we saw Hector from the Fast and Furious. Uh, when the game pours the King Cobra into cereal, I was like, damn, fool, like, this guy's real. Because they're going to the 40s area, and he had, like, 40s tattooed across his forehead. I was like, damn, he's all about it. And last, um, the shootout with Common. I think that that shootout was intense. Keanu pins up Common up against the fridge and just how he shoots out all the lights. I just, it made for a really dramatic scene. I really like that, but that's my trash and treasure. Uh, I mean, um, we kind of covered a lot. <laughs> we kinda, I mean, look, we kind of covered a lot of this movie and I got some of my trash out there as well. But um, I mean, one of the, one of the main things, 
just like minor trash, I guess. Uh, yeah, it's pretty smart tricking these guys into stealing your car so you can track them and trace mm-hmm. them. But it's just like, what if they parked your car in a secure garage? Like all your equipment is still in that car, like your your vest, your your firearm, all that other shit. It's just like, what if it was inside a safe house? Like you're fucked. You, you can't. Or a chop shop. Like yeah. we to go chop it up because it's like, it's a fairly new car and it's a Charger SRT. Like like. You could go chop it up too. Yeah. So like he got lucky that it was in a driveway, which is crazy. Why the fuck would you put a car you just stole in a driveway? That doesn't make any sense. I've never stolen a car, by the way. Um, then we got the old guy wearing the robber mask. Why? It's like you said. Why? They threw everything at us. I thought Adam West was going to come out and do some shit with him. Everything in the kitchen sink. Like it's everything that you would think of like any kind of villain. It, from the 50 gallon drums to the drugs guns kidnapping everything and then we got this old motherfucker in a diaper and a mask like it's crazy visibly older than everybody else by at least 20 years oh yeah oh yeah at least he's at least 50 something and he just comes out with the robin mask and i'm just kind of like is he supposed to be like kato like what He's one of the 88 from Kill Bill. I don't know what they, what he is. Is he like Joker from Persona? Like, I don't get what's happening. He's probably there to do some uh, not so savory shit. So, yeah. yeah. When he popped out with that domino mask on, I was just like, oh my God, what the hell are we watching right about now? Yeah. It was uh, was very awkward. I was just kind of like, oh, I I think we got it. I don't think we need another person. Uh, Then we have, uh, you know, we have the reference to, you know, this is more of an observation, but uh, you could look at this as like a gang movie, uh, as opposed to like a like a like more of a crime film, as opposed to like a police like pre- not procedural, but like a police movie. This unit of the police or the police in general is uh, being portrayed as a gang, much like you said, Jay, like corrupt and whatnot. Um, you know, we have uh, Keanu plant evidence and fuck with the crime scene, and. Uh, Immediately after, he opens the doors and rescues the girls and says, it's okay, I'm a cop. And that moment in the dialogue is meant to validate everything that's happening before. And I feel like this movie is very pointed in its message and a criticism of police. I feel like this movie is more of a criticism than anything else because you have Keanu do this like crazy ass shootout, plat evidence, and the, the only dialogue spoken is, it's okay, I'm a cop. And then, you know, he saves the two girls or whatever, but I feel like that was placed there on purpose. Uh, It was very intentional for him to say that in that moment. You know, we have Forrest Whitaker further validate his violence and tactics. We have uh, Whitaker constantly referring to Keanu as uh, the tip of the spear, or he says, I can't afford to lose you. Who else would do what you do? Or he'd say, like, he's like a guided missile. He's just locked in. There's a lot of reference to Keanu being a pawn, kind of in Forrest Whitaker's, like, uh, overall scheme. Keanu telling his girl, quote, we're the police. We can do whatever we want. It doesn't matter what happens. It's how we write it up. You know, however you feel about police in general, you know, I'm just talking about this movie. But I I feel like uh, media plays a huge part in a lot of that, too, as well as what departments may or may not release to the public at any specific time. So I think there there's also that kind of criticism or uh, observation at play. 
when Keanu gets shipped to like the complaints department, you know, the lieutenant tells him, you know, don't worry about being a good brother cop because none of this shit is going to go anywhere anyway. You know, there's a there's a lot of times where, you know, you have complaints against cops or police that get buried and nothing comes of it. Or, you know, we have a civilian death or assault and then it comes to find out that this particular officer has had a history of similar or related behavior or incidents. And I, I felt like that was kind of bringing up that aspect of the community's relation to police in general. We have uh, Forrest Whitaker's home, Wander, literally mountains of cash and drugs behind a wall that is covered by awards. I mean, it doesn't get more literal than that. You know, behind a lot of these awards, you're gonna find a lot of this corruption. Whether you wanna say that's, that's an overt representation or you you want to say it's excessive or whatever but that kind of feeds into a lot of the criticism that david ayer or maybe the original writer like you mentioned jason has towards uh police or law enforcement or the justice system in general you know you see a lot of awards badges photos etc and when you tear all that down you see a lot of bribes schemes collaborations uh corruptness etc we have keanu say uh you know, what happened to just locking up the bad people? What happened to just, you know, essentially doing our jobs and being good? And then uh, I forget which person says this, but they say, you know, we're all bad, Tom. And, you know, that might be, you know, maybe, maybe it's excessive, but I feel like that kind of feeds into the narrative, the criticism that exists of police within this narrative. So I feel like there's a lot of uh, intense criticism of, uh, you know, of like the police and whatnot in this movie. And look, Everybody's experience with police is going to be different. Like, yo, if this is this is how you feel, this is how you feel. Like, there's there's different shit out there for everybody and their experience. Um, you know, we got Forrest Whitaker in his suit, literally wearing like a Bob Boss suit. He's got the pinstripe suit, the purple tie, you know, all this shit. You know, he never gets his hands dirty. The only time we ever see him like hold or prepare to fire a gun is at the very end. And like his click with the, uh, the, the three other detectives plus Keanu, it's like a very tightly knit gang. And we have him uh, going up against uh, Hugh Laurie, who's another captain as well for IA. And, you know, we treat that like a rival game. Uh, you know, a lot of times we, we talk about how uh, gangs and shit, like there's really no way out, it's blood in, blood out. And then you got Terry Crews, who is gonna, you know, go away with his wife, start over in the Bahamas, and they won't let him leave. So there's a lot of reference to uh, the police in this particular film being portrayed as, or being likened to a gang. And I think, uh, you know, regarding Keanu Reeves' character, you know, despite his willingness to do the uh, quote unquote dirty work, like he he does have some good intentions. You know, he planted all that shit to save two kidnapped girls. He's pissed that the department is more concerned about keeping him safe than the guys who rolled up and killed uh, Washington. You know, he's genuinely remorseful about, um, what's his name, Discant? Disco, Disco, yeah. Uh, he's uh, he's genuinely remorseful about uh, Discant. However, you know, he doesn't really get to talk about morality using his own vigilante tactics. He does put a lot of people in danger. He does fuck shit up a lot of the times. I think the whole uh, corruption is a bad thing is lost once Keanu finds himself in another I help you you help me situation by the end of the movie regarding Hugh Laurie. You know, like he finally thought, and we talked about this earlier, he finally thought that he had set himself free of this cycle of corruption. And here we are again, starting from square one, but now he's just in a different gang, serving a new master, 
being the tip of the spear for somebody else. You know what I'm saying? And then we kind of show that, you know, uh, the one cop that is willing to do good, the one cop that is trying to be the the voice of morality, you know, that officer, Terry Crews, he's like, hey, this isn't going to go over well with the Korean community, etc. You know, he's he's the only guy that's kind of speaking from a community perspective or like a civilian perspective or what he feels is the right thing to do. And of course, like he's the one that gets like killed off in like the most brutal, brutally excessive manner in the entire movie. So I think like this whole movie itself is just more of a of a criticism of uh, police in general. And hey, like I said, everybody's experience is different. So um, King Cobra cereal, gross. Like you said, Jay, vodka, gross. Why does my man break open the DVD player with the screwdriver instead of just pressing the eject button? Last time I checked, pressing the eject button works even if the power is off. He went nuts on it and it's like, I swear to God there's an outlet somewhere. Just yeah. plug it in yeah. and push eject. Yeah. Like Jesus. Yeah. That or he just pry open the, the lid the lip and just pull it out and there's the disc. There's plenty of ways. Yeah. Ask it to open and it'll open. Just be like, hey man, can you give me that disc inside you? Siri. Okay, I'll give it to you. Yeah, Siri, open that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's, uh, I mean, and that's kind of the stuff I observe. But like Treasure, you know, performances are great. Forrest Whitaker's performance is amazing in this movie. Uh, and that's it. Yes, that is all. Hard stop. Wow, that's it? Yeah. Oh. Okay. I mean, yeah, I mean... Hey, sometimes there's just not a lot out there. <laughs> there's, not, there's not a lot that I have on this movie, man. Like, it's it's more observational than Trash and Treasure. I mean, like, like I said, the performances are great. Commons great. You know, seeing Cedric again was cool. Um, I, I I think not the genius, but I think the cleverness of the part where they planted the evidence at the shootout of Washington, and then it's like Keanu goes up there with Cedric and Chris Evans, and they find these two guys that are technically, you know, Coates and what's his name again? Uh, I forget the other guy's name. Fremont? Fremont, Fremont. yeah. Coates and Fremont. And then they like, I don't know, I, I think there's some cleverness to this movie where maybe it could have been done better, but I think there's a lot of cleverness to this movie. Mm-hmm. But I think it's overshadowed by some of the the key in the pocket and um, other little things, but I don't know. I, I do agree with you. I think Forrest Whitaker did a great job. In this. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the a lot but of Forrest this... Whitaker does a great job. In a lot. I mean, everything he's in, he's good. I, I mean... think Phone Booth too is such a awkward role for him. Have you guys seen Phone Booth too mm-hmm. with yeah. Uh, Colin Farrell? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's like he's like uh, another officer. But like they start calling out all of his shit, and he's like sitting there, and it's like on a on a bullhorn almost, like he's like shout. Colin Farrell's shouting this to everyone. All of his like peers can hear it, and he's like putting this awkward position to admit to it and like talk to, talk about it. I think it's like he can play this role, but I don't know. I think there's a lot of that's like your only treasure, really. No, I mean like I, I feel like we kind of all talked about a lot of different things. Like I, I mean, most of the stuff I have is just not even uh, the car. You didn't like the car? Yeah, the car was nice. I mean, look, like for me, like I, when when I do like trash and treasure, I don't necessarily have like bullet points and stuff. Like I just kind of like notice things. And for this movie, it's very like it's pretty obvious what it is. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like you know cut and dry. And I'm just kind of like, hey. This is what I observe. Like this is like a like a like a mafia style movie. It just so happens that the gang in this movie is the cops in this movie. Like they are the gang in this movie. Like the like this this unit, this uh, precinct or whatever, 
this is the gang in this movie. It's it's a mafia movie where the gang is the police, and and that's pretty much how it is. Like how they're portrayed, uh, the deals they're making, you know, the cover ups they're doing, etc. Like if you notice, like these these police, they're not making deals with anybody outside of the department. Like when you really look at this movie, like all the deals are within the department. There's no outside influence. There's nobody buying or making them dirty cops. It's like they themselves are the source of their own corruption for whatever reason. And that's that's how the the movie plays itself. Like there isn't anybody, they don't they don't have a deal with the local gang or the mafia or anything like that. They don't have any sort of rich dude from out of country who's like buying them off or anything like that. It's it's all internal. I just like poking the bear and just seeing what you're gonna no, say. No, I, I feel you. No, I, I feel you on that. It's just like I, I mean, like if if I'm gonna take anything away from this movie that I feel like is an absolute treasure, I'm gonna say like I think everybody's performances are great. You guys kind of touched on Common, yeah. Forrest Whitaker already, so like I don't really need to dive into that. Chris Evans too. I think just seeing him in a role like this too was like is interesting. It's good yeah. to see. Yeah. Before Captain America. Yeah. 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 It's weird because it's just like we've been seeing this guy as Cap for the last decade. Well, we saw him as Johnny Blaze before this, I guess. This or uh, Johnny Storm. Johnny, Johnny Storm, Storm. Sorry, yeah. Johnny Storm. Um, you would think the Human Torch would be named Johnny Blaze, though. Yeah. Johnny Blaze is Ghost Rider. I know. I yeah. got it mixed up. I apologize. Yeah. I know. I'm getting judged a lot right now. But Cage. <laughs> I'm getting judged a lot right now by these two. But yeah, I was like, we, that's the only thing we've seen, and I guess that's probably one of the only other things we saw him in before this. Uh, in between. In between. You had Losers. You had... Not Losers. Another Teen Movie. Yeah. Was that yeah. between this two or is that before? No, Not Another Teen Movie was... was I was in middle school when that came okay. out. So that was like 2001, maybe? 2001, two. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So... But I'm just saying, like, it. I guess we all know him as Captain America, too. So yeah. it's, like, good to see him in something yeah. about that. But uh, that's it for my trash and treasure. Uh, let's get on to ticket prices. Jordan, how much are you paying? I think I'm going to go ahead and stick with a five, $5 for this movie. It was good in the sense that there was a, there was a pretty solid cast. I, I did think that the movie was predictable. Keanu Reeves just kind of acting as sort of the, essentially the enforcer for this corrupt police unit. Um, I, I just think it was a little overplayed. Uh, with just the sheer amount of corruption there is. So, yeah, I, I think I'm comfortable giving it a five. Jason, how much are you paying? I'm hovering. Five and ten. Ooh. It's tough because I like Keanu. I like Forrest Whitaker a lot. Chris Evans was a nice surprise. Um, and we have the game in common in here, too, and I think they did a really good job. As much as I want to give it a five, I think they're going to have a soft ten just because I think it's a little bit different for some of these characters to portray these roles and it is unique in a way that maybe not a hundred percent unique but it is a little unique where i guess i was expecting like internal affairs to be the straight laced like hey we're gonna like catch you doing this shit and then you also find out that internal affairs is corrupt as well with Hugh yeah. and i think that is where it got me at the end where it's like okay so it's not just Forrest Whitaker's gang of people that he's like, like a training day kind of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's like, it's not just this unit that is corrupt. And it's like, hey, we got each other's backs and we got to protect each other from the other aspects of the department. It's like, there's more to this than that. And I'm not saying training day isn't, but I'm saying that this is very explicit and telling you that there is. 
And especially at the end, I think I was like really caught off guard. Like I really thought like Hugh Laurie's gonna come in there and arrest him, um, maybe a, a lesson sentence for, you know, this and that. So I think because of that, um, and, I, and I like Keanu a lot, I think I'm gonna go a soft 10. Uh, uh, I'm going to give this movie a uh, 10. Uh, you know, previously I had this movie set at a 5, but I think, you know, talking to you guys about it, I, I feel like this movie is pretty solid. This reminds me of, um, was it 21 Bridges with uh, Chadwick Boseman that came out a yeah. couple years back? Yeah. Like, I felt like I was watching the same movie, and when I kind of watched that movie, I was just kind of like, oh, you know, this is good, you know, whatever. And then when I kind of watched this, I was like, oh, this is good, whatever. I feel like this is kind of like the standard uh, cops are bad type movie. Like I do like these kind of movies, like uh, the thriller, mystery, detective, action type shit. Like this is in more of my wheelhouse. But like, yeah, I'm gonna go ten. So it looks like we're paying ten, ten, five, which makes this an average of eight dollars and thirty four cents. We're paying to watch Street Kings. Uh, would you pay more if Tom Cruise was here? Ooh, that's tough, man. Pay more? Probably not. But I could see Tom Cruise as maybe Wander. Not to remove Forrest Whitaker, because I think he did a great job, but, you know, a corrupt, you know, police captain. Sure, I could see Tom Cruise playing that. Maybe even Chris Evans' character. Hmm. Like, if you had Keanu and then, like, Chris, I don't know, you replace Chris Evans with Tom Cruise. It could be, or even Jay Moore's character. Mm-hmm. Like, you can replace him, too. Mm-hmm. Like, he has a couple parts. But yeah, it's harder to replace anyone in this movie. He could be uh, the little girl that Keanu asks who lives in the house. Oh, yeah. Or the guy that jumps out in the goddamn costume and shit. With a mask on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, ma- the mask and the diaper on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he has a diaper on, bro. <laughs> like, does. oh my God. He Why? Does. Why? But anybody got anything else they want to add? Uh, no. No. Uh, All right. Well, uh, in the words of Tom Cruise, um, Keanu Reeves is a damn good actor. (laughs) (laughs) That's it for this episode of $20 Ticket. Be sure to check us out on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at $20 Ticket. That's $20 Ticket for more content. Follow us on Spotify, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, and if you've got the time, leave us a review. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, send them to $20Ticket at gmail.com. That's $20Ticket at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. James Christopher from the Times UK he gave it a rotten rating. He says, depressing and sickening, sickening. I can't say that. Go back. So James Christopher said, it's depress, depressing and sickening. I can't even say it. Sickeningly. Oh, sickeningly. 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 Okay. Right. I'll go back again and say it. James Christopher gave, gave it a rotten rating saying it's depressing. Sorry, I'm going to fuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to I'm so sorry, Kerwin, my hey, bad. No, you're good, man. I'm going to just choose a different one. Uh, it's like depressing and... <laughs> depressingly. Favreau. Yeah. Favre. Sickeningly. Uh, J- Favre? Is that how you say his name? No, Favreau. <laughs> okay, uh, I'm going to pick another one. And not even IA, which is designed to monitor the police to far- the. Again. The police department. <laughs> the police department. You beat me to it, man. I was like, damn it.
Keanu's uh, Tom. Um, fuck, fuck, you ruined it. Kerwin. I did. You no, no, fuck, it was Kerwin's fault. You fuck me up, it. Kerwin. <laughs> all right, all right, defart me. Defart me. <laughs> all right. You know, I once tried to go out for the police department, but uh, I found out they were just full of hot air. Oh, that's yeah. funny, because I tried to drive there and I ran out of gas. <laughs>